When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Haley Salvi and Sean Gentilly. It's Friday. It's the last show of 2022. Is it our last? Po- is it the last? Athletic hockey show period, 2022. I mean, Maxi or Maxi might go rogue and post on Friday as well. But who's Max to and, say? Are Max and Pronman gonna have enough time in Moncton or wherever they are? Which, by the way, I'm completely. Is Max that, in Moncton? No. Oh. But after Team USA's uh, result against Slovakia today, I'm <laughs> officially done paying attention to the. You're over the World Juniors. Check back in a check back in a few days. We'll see how we're going. But until then, I've, I've cut the cord. Yes. Yeah, I feel so. I've been backfilling on the morning show on Sportsnet here this week, and oh? I've never talked about the World Juniors more in my life. It's like every day I have to come up with something new to say about Connor Bedard. So if you want to talk about the World Juniors, listen to Corey Pronman's show because I'm not doing it here today. Oh. All I'll say is this, <laughs> is that I I really try not to rip on Canada for the entire process, right? I know everyone's like, okay, this is, everyone says we're not going to criticize these kids because they're kids and blah, blah, blah. Or like, there's a, I have a compulsion to make fun of the amount that Canada cares about this tournament. Right. Like, and then, we I, were remem- ba- like and then I remember, and then I remember that the NCAA basketball tournament exists and then March Madness exists. And it's only, it's only barely yeah. different. And I realize that I have no room to talk, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Are you a psycho in March? I mean, it's all I do for a couple weeks for sure. I mean, <laughs> that the first, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is one madness. Of the best, it's one of the best. One year. would say. I used to fake sick as a kid on those days and I did for years. Do you think, your family actually bought that? Uh, I definitely got away with it a couple of times. I definitely got away with it a couple of times. And then I think my mom just gave up. She just gave up the ghost. She knew that it was, that it was happening. I don't, I don't think really, I don't think really cared all that much. But there was a couple years specifically where I straight up Ferris Bueller my way through Thursday and Friday. <laughs> mm-hmm. For anybody listening, it was the year that, that Bryce Drew hit the shot for Valparaiso against Ole Miss at the buzzer. I watched that from the couch in my mother's house while pretending to be sick. Greatest day of my life. That's nice. I forgot what I was talking about now. You were talking about how you had to pretend <laughs> you knew what you were talking about. When no, you were- no. I said I'd had to come up with like something new to say about Connor Bedard every day, not like pull something out of a hat. Because that's been, he's been like the story of the tournament, yeah, before the question. tournament, during. I have a question. What? Who's Connor Bedard? <laughs> 
<laughs> Generational talent. He scored seven points. He scored seven points, which ties a world junior championship record for Canada for scoring in a single game. He's only two goals short of a okay. can a record for the most goals at the world juniors ever. Uh, Jordan Eberle currently has that record with 14 goals in his world junior career. Connor Bernard, who is 17, has 12. He okay. was on fire for Canada on Wednesday, and Canada's playing again on Thursday. But we're not going to talk about that because that's this Corey sounds Conman's like, this job. Sounds, this sounds like a player we should watch, maybe. Pay attention to. Who knows what he could become? Maybe one Connor of the... Bernard. Maybe he'll be... He'll be the 20th generational player that's somehow playing in the NHL next this year. Isn't the, that's not the same. I think that gets thrown around a lot. And like mm-hmm. Connor Bedard is not the same as Shane Wright. He's not the same as Alexi Lafreniere. This, it devalues it devalu- like yeah. it, it devalues calling Shane Wright and Alexi Lafreniere and all these guys generational players devalues the actual generational players, which is which is Connor. Who Bedard. are the generational players, in your opinion, that are in the NHL right now who actually deserved that designation? Crosby, Crosby, McDavid, McDavid. possibly McKinnon, possibly Austin Matthews, Kale McCarr, and Connor Bedard whenever he hits. That's it. Ovechkin wasn't generational? Ovechkin, yes. I think that's fair. Like Kane or Taves? No. No. Nope. Just really, really good. Really, really good. First ballot Hall of Famer. They're on our silly little list that we're doing for a reason. Lindros would have been there if he would have been healthy, if he would have yeah. stayed healthy, but he but he misses out too. Mm-hmm. It's not generate it's not generational if you have if you're if you have eight of them at any given time playing in the league. Sorry. Yeah. It gets thrown which around pretty us, easily. And which brings us. <laughs> moving on to one of the players we just talked about. Kind of the big story of the day is Alexi Lafreniere. He was dropped down to the fourth line for the New York Rangers. Um, and then everyone kind of started being like, okay, what's going on? This guy's on the fourth line now. And then this afternoon, he is a healthy scratch for the New York Rangers. Um, <laughs> this has kind of caused a big thing, obviously, because you've got a first-round pick who's still in his entry-level contract who has not transitioned to the NHL as planned or as projected um, after he had such a great junior career uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and a great world junior career. When you see that Alexi Lafreniere is a healthy scratch and you see the context of what's going on with the New York Rangers, is this a coach in Gerard Gallant whose seat is getting hot and he is doing something desperate to get a result out of his team? I think the only way the Rangers are a true contender is if they have Lafreniere clicking in a very real way. And And like, what does scratching him do? To make Great that question. better. Got asked, got asked Gerard Gallant that. <laughs> I mean, I, he, it's such like, a, this, Lexi Lafreniere mm-hmm. is going to turn into like a very interesting case study of a first round pick and their development and their, you know, transition to the NHL level. I think part of it, and sorry, I know I asked you a question and then I cut you off, but I think part of what Lafreniere is battling is that He's now being compared to every other first round pick. And it's like, well, why aren't you doing that? <laughs> Whereas if he was like the sixth overall pick, this probably isn't a thing that we're talking about. But that's not the case because th- that's the plight of the first overall guy, right? It's it's not. And it's also we're also not having that conversation if he doesn't end up on a team as a left wing playing behind Chris Kreider and Artemi Panarin. 
It's a mm-hmm. huge, to me, that is, when you look at what this means for player development, when you look at what it means for Alexi Lafreniere, if you're trying to diagnose like what is going on here and why we're talking about this again after it seemed like he turned a corner with the postseason that he had and then with maybe the way the Rangers' top six was structured this year, it seemed like he was going to have an extended, you know, better opportunity. But when, if you want to look at how we got here, and this should be the scary thing, I think, for Rangers fans or whoever, people who bought stock in Alexi Lafreniere, is that there's no easy solution to this. And it took Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, mismanagement by everybody involved, including the player, to get to this point. Like, this isn't just as simple as Gerard Gallant not playing him enough and not putting him in, in, in opportunities. Like, is that the biggest, is that the biggest... You know, the biggest factor here, I I certainly think so. I tend to think so. You, you find a way to put this player in a position to succeed and whatever. I don't think he's gotten enough of that, but he has gotten some. And, and he hasn't I think grabbed the, onto it. And he hasn't grabbed onto it. And that's and that's what's that to me is the is the issue, right? It's not this isn't just Gallant. It's not just the it's not just Lafreniere. It's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I think a big problem is is you watched Alexi Lafreniere in junior, and he was an incredibly you know, productive, offensive player in the queue. Mm-hmm. What is he at the NHL level? Because he's not a center. He's not a high-flying, high-skilled left winger. He's not a highly productive player. He's not a grind-it-out-along-the-boards like Blake Coleman type or whoever they, you know, he's not some, like, third-line guy who's going to transition you from defense to offense. Like, what is Alexi Lafreniere? And I think that's the problem. I don't know if he knows what his identity is at the NHL level. And I think part of that is because he's continually being put on the fourth line, on the third line. He's on the kid line. Oh, now he's on the top line. Like, I I don't think the Rangers know what they want Alexi Lafreniere to be at the NHL level. And I think that has, like, seriously impacted his development and the identity. Like, obviously, I don't know. I've never been in an exit meeting. But I would love to know at the end of last season, what did they sit down and tell Lexi Lafreniere to work on? What did they say, this is the spot we want you to earn it? Because I know, and I'm just speaking from covering the flames, I know someone like Adam Rzichka, mm-hmm. you know, if you're listening to this, he's not anywhere close to the Alexi Lafreniere prototype. But Adam Rzichka gets sit down at exit meetings, like this is two years ago, and they say, there is a spot that you can battle for 4C on this hockey team right now. And Adam Rzich is the guy who's in the American Hockey League and he's, you know, a top line center. He's scoring a bunch of goals. He's getting lots of assists. He's like a point producing center at the HL level. And Daryl Sutter sits him down and says, Tim and Glenn Godden and Trevor Lewis, like there's a spot. Trevor Lewis wasn't on the team yet, but it's him and Glenn Godden. It's like, there's a spot on the fourth line at the center position that you guys can fight for. And that mm-hmm. is how what you need to work on becoming. Was Alexi Lafreniere told, like, start being a third-line player? Or we want you to be a top-line guy with Panera? And, like, what what have they told Alexi Lafreniere to be? Because I don't know. Does he know? Because <laughs> he's been he, all over the place. And I don't think that's good for a player development. And, and we're blaming we're blaming Gallant and we're wondering how much Lafreniere, you know, bears himself. I think another big part of this is the Rangers' makeup. <laughs> It's 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 the roster that they have right now. So Chris Jury can wear can wear some of this too. Where you're like, how about this? There are some teams where Alexi Lafreniere is a third line winger, completely viable 
given the way given the way that team plays. If, if you if you stuck Alexi Lafreniere on the Carolina Hurricanes, yeah, or the Pittsburgh Penguins, mm-hmm. or a team that didn't expect their third line to do the things that the Rangers do and didn't build out the rest of their roster in the way that the Rangers did, Alexi Lafreniere is in a much better spot, an mm-hmm. undeniably better spot. And at, yeah. look, Arthur Staple, by the way, has covered this very well, closely and, and very well and was on it this morning and has been on it the whole time because, of course, Arthur, more, Arthur realizes miss. more than us and more than anybody, you know, how important that player is, I think, for for that team's aspirations and, and future and, and whatever else. But Arthur's story, which came out before Lafreniere was officially scratched for a seven o'clock game in the middle of the day, by the way, which is wild, but that's a whole nother discussion. Arthur finished his piece with a quote from a pro scout that he'd spoken to. And this is what this guy said about Alexa Lafreniere. He has to decide what type of player he's going to be. If he's going to be a guy that that's strong down low and takes puck to the net, then that's what he has to do consistently. I don't feel like he has an identity right now, and I think we saw a bit of it during the playoffs, but then he got away from it. Mm-hmm. Does that not sound like a coaching issue? Well, that's a little bit of what I said, too. Yes. But at the same time, I can understand this was an Arthur story, too. That's a two-way street mm-hmm. because – because we know that Gerard Gallant did this in the past to light a fire under Lafreniere, like wake him up. You're on the fourth line, kid. And then he played a bit better and then he got moved back up the lineup. But like they're still waiting for him to do something more consistently. So I think it's a coaching issue. But I also wonder, like, what is Alexi Lafreniere doing to get himself elevated back up the lineup? Like, I'm sure it's there's two sides this right and arthur said this really well in his piece again we should have just had arthur on the show by the way we have rob rossi coming on the show later forgot to promo that i'm sorry Yay. rob we'd rather have arthur we're trying to, <laughs> trying, to trying to keep that one to ourselves yeah um arthur says you know the expectation goes both ways so yeah sure lafreniere had every right to expect more opportunity when he came in as the top pick and every right to feel disillusioned that those opportunities haven't presented themselves through his two and a half, two plus years in the organization. But at the same time, the Rangers surely expected a hungrier player who would not be content with those minutes and would do more to earn a bigger slice of the action. So I think that there, it's like, again, like there's, what's the fix for this? Like both sides just like doing better. That's, that's what I'm, that's like what I keep coming, that's what I keep coming back to, right? Because like, yeah. And you it's can, a weird one. You can put the blame in order, right? You can say like, like, look, I obviously think this to me seems it's a it's a coach prime. Like to me, the primary, you know, caller. Do you think one of them has here, to go? <laughs> that's a great question. It would make the trade deadline a lot, a lot. Uh, I just don't think you can get rid of Alexi Lafreniere right now because that value is no. bad. Selling so what low, is the fix to low on a number one pick? Yeah, and then the, what is the, the fix, fix to just get I, rid of another coach who you don't think is working well with your young players? Because isn't that kind of what happened with David Quinn? I know there was more than just that, but the fix should be that the Rangers add a forward who's better who's who's better at playing with Alexi Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. And for the record, short. too, <laughs> when we just look at who's on the fourth line, like he's being scratched for. Sammy Blay, oh, uh, yeah, I mean Jimmy you're, you're, VC and Johnny Brzezinski. In the third line right now is you know 
we saw him work with Filipino, right? And I think that's sort of... The kid thing. line. How many headlines oh, have you seen I'm, I'm, I'm in the last in. year and a half about the kid line's back and better than ever? <laughs> I'm over it. It's brutal. I, it I works in spurts. It, I don't know. It works, it works in spurts. And I think like, back to what we we're saying, like... It, yeah, sorry. <laughs> there's no... There's no button to push <laughs> because it's something that the player's doing and it's something that the coach is doing and it's something that the front office has chosen to do in terms of the makeup of that yeah. team and of that roster. And those aren't bells that are easily yeah. unrung there. So it worked, think- bef- it worked before, maybe, maybe it'll work again, but mm-hmm. I think an interesting part of this conversation too is we're seeing – how, you know, he's being compared to Tim Stutzla in Ottawa, right? It's like, well, and this was part of the conversation in that draft year. I was still covering the Sens when the Senators had the three and five overall pick. And originally it was this huge disappointment. Like the Senators lost the lottery, Mm -hmm. yet they have number three and number five. And I remember writing, like, if there's a player who could end up being a better NHLer than Alexi Lafreniere, it's Tim Stutzla. Um, and then I was writing about, you know, why the Sen should be drafting Jake Sanderson and people were calling me an idiot and <laughs> now Sanderson looks pretty good. So that's worked out quite fine. I do think the element that is lost right now in this like apples to oranges discussion about Alexi Lafreniere's production versus Tim Stutzla's production is the opportunity. Yeah. I think if Alexi Lafreniere is in Ottawa right now, like he's not on the fourth, like DJ Smith's not putting him on the fourth line, like. <laughs> because there was a spot on the top line for Tim Stutzla to take. There's nobody else to play in front of him. And that goes back right? to what like, we talked about before. Exactly. Where he, joined, he joined a team that that had... A, that it's opportunity where you get drafted into, right? And and this was something that came up when I was reporting out my Maddie Beniers feature that came out at The Athletic in, in a week or so ago. And a big part of, of that, I was talking to people like, how is Maddie Beniers able to do this? And one coach said, he was like, a lot of it's opportunity. Like, Maddie Beniers gets drafted by a team who <laughs> doesn't have an opening as a top six center in the NHL or they don't have the patience or the time or the desire to put him in that space, then Matty Beniers isn't Matty Beniers right now. And I think that's part of that. what's happening with Alexi Lafreniere. It's exactly what you said, Sean. But I think that element is lost in the conversation of people just being like, oh, well, Tim Stutzla is way better. Look at what he's doing. It's like, yes, but DJ Smith is putting him in the position to succeed. Pierre Dorian is putting him in that position too. You know, they actively had a plan. Tim Stutzla is going to be in the top nine. He's going to be on the wing first, and then we're going to move him in to be our future number one center of the future. There was a plan in place for Tim Stutzla, and they're executing on it, and we're seeing that happen. What was the plan for Lexi Lafreniere? If it was, it could have been something similar. Like he's still playing. The, yeah. That to me is the big problem with, if you want to pin something on him, it's that he hasn't been able to transition from the wing to playing down the middle, which way back when, in 2020, whenever he got drafted, that seemed like mm-hmm. that was the course of action. It hasn't yeah. panned out that way. And the Rangers, again, are stuck in a situation where he plays behind two all stars, like like I, yeah. so that that's in the that's the end of the discussion where I'm like, I get it. What are you gonna do? For you sure, gonna, you're gonna move, you're gonna move Chris Kreider away from Mika Zibanejad. No, that's not gonna happen. You're gonna drop down Artemi Panarin, so he's playing with Philip Heedle and Julian Gauthier and no. whoever. No. no, so it's, it's on Lafreniere to like make an impact in the minutes that he's provided with. 
But at the same time, you see this and you're just like, uh, something's not working. It all falls back to the fact that the Rangers have expectations mm-hmm. and those, uh, that those other teams don't. And I know that, you know, people thought maybe the Sens could sneaky contend maybe for a bottom one, like whatever. They're the, we had hot yeah. Pierre Summer and everyone, you know. <laughs> Pierre Dorian took, never once said that, like, now, no. for once, Dorian didn't come out and say, like, the rebuild is over. Like, yeah. I went back, like, the Sens didn't seem to say anything about, like, we are going to make the playoffs this year. So I think that was definitely, like, a fan expectation. It's just a weird, it's been, a, it's a weird mix of players because you got the Criders and the Zabanajads and the and the Panarins, and you have the next layer of young guys that hasn't quite worked out. You have Igor Shesterkin, who came not out of nowhere, but leveled up last year and became yeah. the best goalie in the league. So the Did end they result outkick is that- their coverage last year, Sean? Sorry to cut you off. I, I just feel like I see where you're going 100%. with this. Like, did the Rangers outkick their projections last year and now they're dealing with that leveled up expectation based on what they did last year? They should have lost to Pittsburgh in the first round. Yeah. They almost did, despite the Penguins playing an AHL goalie and a, not a particularly good one at that in mm-hmm. Louis Domingue. Oh, God. After, oh, Chef Louis. I forgot uh, about the beef, mm-hmm. that whole beef thing. That I was like a not thing. We're that up. That's I can't handle. I don't about give a again. shit about his beef and broccoli. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Nope. I don't care. The half life. The half life <laughs> on that meme was about ninety seconds. I made a joke yeah. about it whenever he said that, and I realized that it was going to age like milk. Yeah. Crosby gets hurt. Ricard Raquel gets hurt. There's any number of reasons that if the Penguins are even at seventy percent, they they beat the Rangers last year. The entire. The entire thing takes a different tone. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. The Rangers are a prisoner of their own expectations right now. And so is Alexi Lafreniere. Yep. And I think it all comes back to the to, to the series win over over Pittsburgh. If that doesn't happen, the vibes are much, much different. Yeah. At the end of the day, we there are very important parts of this that we're not aware of. Like I said, with the whole Adam Rzijka thing. I'm not saying that the Rangers didn't sit him down and say, this is what you need to work on. Cause maybe they did say it and he didn't do it. You know, like we don't know the, we don't know that right now. Like we don't know if there was a plan that he can't execute on. And I'm sure what's actually happening in reality is a mix of all of these things that we're talking about. It's the expectation. It's, it's Lafreniere falling short of what he should be doing. It's the Rangers falling short of what they should be doing with this pick. Like it's, and that's what makes this complicated because we're like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff happening. We don't happening. know exactly what's gone on, but we can diagnose what we've seen, right? Sure. Like, and, and it's it's a bad situation for everybody. Yeah, and we're not sure how they get out of it. Let's move on because, as we mentioned in all of that, our 20-minute chat about Alexi Lafreniere, because there was a lot to get into in that, and I feel like we just talked around in circles and we're just, you know, ah, what's happening with Alexi Lafreniere? Um, the Winter Classic is happening this weekend. Again, this mm. is the last athletic hockey show before 2023. And that is happening on January 2nd. Pittsburgh Penguins, Boston Bruins at Fenway Park, 2 o'clock Eastern. We're going to have Rob Rossi join us shortly to – we didn't even really tee up the Winter Classic. Yeah, because no one cares. <laughs> Who cares? But we it's talked wi- about the Penguins, so we're going to do the teeing up right now. Like, we're going to – the Winter Classic is happening. Sean, how many of these have you covered? Because they're, like, seemingly always in – in Pittsburgh or involving the Penguins. There's only been one in Pittsburgh. There's been stadium There was the one in Buffalo. There's been stadium series. 
the one at Heinz Field. In Pittsburgh, one at Heinz Field, which I I said involving that? the Penguins. How many of these things have you involving done? Involving the Penguins, three. Yeah. And I've done a couple winter classics that didn't involve the Penguins, including the one in uh, Ann Arbor with the wings and the maple leaves. That was the that was the oh, first fun. one actually. That actually yeah, that it was cool. Okay. Got caught in a snowstorm. On Are you one. over it? Wasn't, it wasn't good. We over what? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, like they don't have the same sparkle. I remember the nope. very first one, the one like Penguins in Buffalo. They had the baby blues, the HBO, like 24-7 thing. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like really fun docu-series. I don't know. Totally. And then like they were super fun. And just, at, at what point did it just start to, I don't care about this anymore for you? I think it was probably the same time for everybody. I think around the time they moved specifically into – standard nfl stadiums is when i was like eh, all right let's yeah this maybe this maybe isn't doesn't have the same cachet that it did that being said like keep doing it like do it at yeah. do it forever do it out do yeah. it every single year those those events are still awesome for the cities where they're held yes. they're awesome for the fan bases that are involved with them it's a great it's it is it's a legitimately fun experience in and around the stadium like mm-hmm. every fan base should get to experience it not just the Penguins, the Blackhawks, and the Bruins, and the Flyers. Yeah. It seems that inevitably seem like every other year one of them's involved. But as an as a national event, as something that is anything but like, oh, yeah, they're doing that again, sort of. Yeah, sort it's of, on the calendar. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, it's, I, I can tell you this, and part of this, part of this is, you know, maybe self-selective because I was in college and, and um, living in Pittsburgh whenever the first one happened with Buffalo and all that. Um, that was a big deal. That was a big deal for a while. It seemed mm-hmm. like it pierced through in a way to American audiences that like a regular season hockey game never, ever, ever could. And probably, and frankly, most, you know, playoff games, right? That was a thing. It got mainstream mm-hmm. coverage. It was, you know, on, it was on NBC. People seemed like they enjoyed it, you know, and, and people tuned in that, that otherwise wouldn't pay attention to the National Hockey League. But yeah. uh but we're past that. We're past right. that. The TV ratings say so. There there's something in, unquantifiable too that you know I think we're kind of speaking to here. Yeah, I don't care. But congratulations to all the nine year olds who are going to watch the Bruins play the Penguins in, in Fenway Park. Like they're gonna have the time of their lives. But personally, I don't I don't, I don't give a shit. I I think when I first saw that it was Penguins Bruins at Fenway Park. It's like that would be a cool experience to go to as a fan. Like even for myself, it was like I would. Like if I didn't have to work, if I didn't have to be in this like my city and, and work stuff, I would buy tickets to that. That looks like it'd be cool. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't hype them up as much. Like I'm not a big holy crap, it's winter classic day. It's not like an event for me anymore. But I'm also not one of the ones who's gonna say, like, enough is enough with these. I don't care. Because yeah, I, whatever's not, good for I, the like business said, is fine. Keep Keep like having it, do do it for do it for the fans. If you lived in Alston or whatever, yeah, Brookline, you 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 could you'd be like, oh sweet, I'm gonna go watch I'm I'm gonna go watch a, a hockey game at Fenway Park. But beyond that, I mean, there's not I don't think there's much of a draw. One of my favorite outdoor game moments that wasn't a Winter Classic, but it was Brady Kachuk, and I might have to give up my passport for this. But Brady Kachuk scoring the winner against Canada outside in Buffalo. 
That was cool. Yeah, that like weird. outdoor. What's better than what's better than that? How about that? That outdoor that- game was cool. The pictures of Brady like arms raised. It's snowing. They've got the USA jerseys that are like the Bills jerseys. Like that whole thing was like just really cool. I was a big fan of that moment. Remarkable moment for anybody for anybody who was there. But you know, again, these are niche or niche events. Yeah. No. Um, that's, and, other. And that's okay. Other favorite outdoor moments, um, again, we pre-recorded with Rob. And one of the things that we talked about after with Danielle, our producer, who abandoned us for weeks, by the way, on her nice vacation. She's back. Welcome back. I mean, I love you guys, but I'd do it again in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the moments Danielle reminded us of is like one of the hilarious ones because the it was the stars – predators at the cotton bowl in dallas and that's like one of the most attended games in league history and it's Corey perry getting kicked out of the game and having to like do that whole walk, walk in front of like 80 something thousand fans you're like within the first three five minutes three to five minutes right yeah it was, like immediate like you're done yeah. and he you know at least he got to enjoy the atmosphere on that walk so that's our tee-up of the winter classic um, I hope my, it'll be a my good favorite, game. I my hope. favorite, my favorite, my favorite moment was in Ann Arbor when I, I had a, I was late and I had to park on someone's lawn and run <laughs> and run to the press box. Oh dear! That's why my, didn't that's you plan my... ahead better to get there on ah, time? Because I'm to get a irresponsible. Spot. That's why. And this sounds is, like it. I was I was even worse back then. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's our tee up of the the Winter Classic as the event. Hopefully, it's going to be a good game. Uh, the Penguins. They were number five on the power rankings last week, yet they've lost a couple games in OT. They've blown a couple leads, and things just feel a little bit more unsettling around a team that is what six, six two and two in their last ten. Yeah, so we're weird gonna hear. Happens. <laughs> weird stuff happens when you blow a four nothing lead. People people start to feel less positively about about what's going on with you, huh? Yeah. So we're gonna talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, next with Robert Rossi. It's actually Roberto. Big day in the show's history. Rob Rossi making his Friday debut. Hey, buddy. How we doing? I couldn't be better if you smacked me upside the head with an anvil. Do you have an anvil? Yeah, I have, I have an anvil next to a stack of dynamite, <laughs> next to a, a bucket of black paint that I used to paint, you know, railway entrances on the, on the sides of cliffs. Yeah. I have the yeah. entire the entire Roadrunner Wiley Coyote catalog here. Yeah. The Acme, the Acme assemblage kit. Should people be worried about the Pittsburgh Penguins? Let's start oh, there. Oh, you're not even going to like chat? Ooh, I don't gonna know. going to talk about his day? <laughs> no, because that's going to lead into his day. Because I, I know how he spent his day because we talked for an hour on the phone. Okay, well, the listeners time. didn't. It's, it's none of their business. <laughs> yeah, they, wow. they don't deserve uh, to know how Rob is doing today. Rob is good? Uh, oh, no, no, no. We don't care about that. The Penguins, let's see. Um, panic in the streets because they've lost two straight games in regulation. Or no, they didn't even lose two straight in regulation. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. They, they've they lost three in a row, and one of them have been in regulation, and panic in the streets in Pittsburgh. But I actually think there's something to this because um, they've blown leads in each of their past three games dating back to the Hurricanes uh, the day before Christmas break. And they are a team that seems right now to be struggling with its identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have some warts that there isn't a 
wart remover for? Um, they are stuck right now with, I mean, okay, so going back to every time Sean and I talk, there's the Kasperi Kapanen problem, <laughs> which is, which is, he doesn't really fit anywhere on the team and he's making 3.2 million. That is now being compounded by the fact that he almost regularly plays on a line with Jeff Carter, who makes mm-hmm. four something million, who's actually worse right now than Kapanen. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the Brian Dumoulin situation where he just looks like he's done as a top end defensive uh, player in this league. And for a while, he had been playing on a bottom pairing with Jan Ruda. Mm-hmm. But what happened in this game against the, um, uh, I don't even remember, oh, the Red Wings. Yeah, the right. epic collapse. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, what happened is that became their second unit for some reason. And uh, yeah, Jeff Petrie's been out. And Dumoulin played 20 minutes and was just utterly exposed in those 20 minutes. And legitimately, it's it's a bit heartbreaking for me because Dumoulin has been a great guy to cover. Um, he's in a very accountable guy. This isn't the case of a guy not working hard enough. This is very much a case of a guy who knows he's struggling. Um, he just can't do what he used to do, um, which is be a guy that plays with, you know, a number one or a number two defenseman and sort of provides that ideal complement as a, as a skater. Um, he's not able to use that leg that's had two surgeries to the ankle the way he used to. And so they've got these three problems and there aren't really any fixes because they're so strapped against the cap that they would have to find somebody uh, naive. Would that be the right, nice worry of putting it naive enough <laughs> to take one of those players in a trade right. and not give them anything back for the cap space. And Mike Sullivan seems unwilling not to trust Carter or Dumoulin in high leverage situations. Um, you know, the example I'll give is he had Carter out there late in the game and in overtime against the Red Wings, which is doing Carter no favors because he just doesn't have, he doesn't have the skill set anymore. Right. And he's at least backed off some with Dumoulin until the other night. So I think this is a concern. You know, they blew a 4 nothing lead to a Red Wings team that hadn't been playing very well. They got blown out on the island. Um, now, the Islanders usually wreck the Penguins no matter when they play yeah. uh, a couple of times a year. But they also have yet to win a game against Carolina despite playing them close. That was who they lost to right before the break. It just kind of feels like the Penguins are sort of showing, to me anyway, it feels like the Penguins are showing what they can max out as. and it. Looks like they're going to max out at as a team that will contend for a playoff spot and maybe make the playoffs. But it's hard to really see this team as it's assembled advancing. And the whole point, allegedly, of the offseason was to be more difficult to play against, to not be as soft as a team, and to be better prepared for a long playoff run. And it just it's really tough to envision that right now. Right, because, like, and wasn't part of the offseason, too, like, you know, keeping – the big three together, keeping that window of contention open. Mm-hmm. But like, did they lose some? I, I struggle with that because you look at, I don't think there was really anybody in Pittsburgh saying like, 
we don't want Malkin and Latang to come back because I don't know if there were really better options on the open market anyways. There weren't. So it's like, I don't know. Like, is this what we expected this season from the Penguins? I don't know what I expected this season from the Penguins <laughs> because so often they I think that's, my, I think that's my answer too, for the record. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's tough because they, they very often outperform their regular season and, expectations. Sorry, I'll just say too, Rob, sorry to cut you off. I'll say the reason I bring up bringing back the big three, because I'm sure there's probably people either nationally or from other markets being like, well, this this is why you don't bring back the two old guys. Like, I haven't really seen that take out there, but I'm sure there's people questioning, like, would the Penguins have been better if they went a different direction? Yeah. And I don't know if they would have been. Well, those people would be wrong and ignorant. And, yeah. um, yeah. uh, I tend not to listen to the people outside the market talking about the team I cover only because they <laughs> go on these presumptions. But the truth is Crosby and Malkin haven't missed a game, which is stunning in its own right. But they've been their two best offensive players without Crosby. I mean, Sean's going to laugh at this because it seems like I say this every year. You can make a case this year that Crosby's been as valuable to his team as any player in the league. I'm not saying he's the MVP. I'm just saying without Crosby, I think they are definitely a team that's closer to Bedard watch than they are uh, hmm. sort of, are they going to make it? Because he's been outstanding. I mean, he's been so good that Canada just made him like a commander knight supreme or something. Uh, uh, in the For his order. contributions yeah. to our great nation. Right. So um, <laughs> I don't think bringing back the sure. big three was the problem because yeah. they don't really have options to replace them. But when you bring back those three and Brian Rust, and you're committing to building around those guys and Gensel, um, you have to get the other moves right. And it's looking like extending Jeff Carter, in addition to protecting Jeff Carter and losing, uh, oh, Sean, help me out here. Who did they lose? Well, they the, traded uh, McCann. Jared McCann. Traded McCann. Thank you, Haley. But who did they, they actually they, lose to Seattle? They lost Tanev, Tanev. Tanev. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they protected Jeff Carter, then they extended him almost as a insurance a policy in Clay Malkin watch. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's just when you're in management, you can't make those mistakes. And they've made like three big ones, probably not dealing Dumoulin sooner. Um, you know, they also dealt John Marino, who's hurt now, who was playing some great hockey in Jersey for Ty Smith, who's back up with the team, but has yet to play a game because of their cap situation. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it does seem a little bit like there's a disconnect between Pittsburgh's um, want to bring back sort of the band and how you supply the band uh, with right. supporting musicians. And right. um, they don't look like when they go against teams that can play with speed and can come at you with speed like Carolina does, right? Or, or Detroit. Detroit's speed really prevented the Penguins from sort of entering the zone or possessing the puck at times during that game. And then when they play a team with any sort of sort of systemic consistency, they struggle. Um, now that said, they've they're on this like what o one and two stretch, but they before that they were like twelve two and o. So right. With Pittsburgh, it's always about what are they going to do in the sorry what is Pitt, what is it going to do in the in the playoffs? But I think one of the big problems that the Penguins are facing now is this probably is the deepest division in terms of playoff contenders mm -hmm. in the NHL. Yeah, 
And if they go on another bad run, they might not be able to dig themselves out of that hole. And if nothing else, I feel like what the last few games have been, it's just a red flag for playoff performance. Because the and I, we've the Hurricanes have come up a couple times here. And the fact that they just can't, they, they can't close them out. We've seen it in multiple different ways. We saw it again. You know, that's the team. If you're talking about a team that plays with speed and that plays with, you know, systemic consistency, like that's like flashing lights and, you know, cartoon arrows pointing at the Carolina hurricanes. Like that's what they, that's what they do. They, you know, they have, they have a system that they stick to and they've been, they, and they play it well and it's worked against the penguins like time after time after time. Right. But I, I don't, you know, I, I look, when I look at them, it's tough to figure out what the single biggest problem is. And I think that's always, that should always scare teams when you're like, I, something's not right here, but I can't say no definitively like what the number one thing is. Right. Cause you can talk about doom, like Doomlin got old overnight and you know, this and that, like what, but there's no, you know, big red button to push to fix it either. And I think that's, that's something that should make people nervous when, when they when they watch this team. Yeah, they're a J-Let this year. They're just like every team that isn't one of those teams, you know? And it's... Yep. Um, I don't think... I think because in the past they've had management make moves that have sort of seemingly improved them, there's no room to make those moves this year. And... So they basically have to find these things from within, and it just doesn't look like they can do that, again, because some of these deficiencies you just can't mask. I mean, they need a third center, uh, and they need a third-line winger to go with. So does every other team. (laughs) Yes. You know? Uh, They're not deep enough on defense because of their third pairing, and, you know, Latang, who now dealing with a lower body injury, just came back from the stroke. And to be candid, he hasn't really played well all season. And I think a lot of us sort of now look back at that and go, well, what might he have been dealing with um, that we don't know about? But, um, you know, I just go back to it's harder for Crosby and Malkin to take over games. And even when they do, there's fewer guys that seem to be able to sort of help them. Mm -hmm. And at this point in their career, I don't know that you can expect Crosby and Malkin to each account for like a plus 15 in, you know, difference making points. Um, whatever that stat is that a, that a player, you know, Crosby's probably, having Crosby on your team is probably good for, you know, 10 more points than you would in a normal year. Having Malkin's probably anywhere from five to seven, right? And that's 17 points that you would get during a regular season. Um I just don't think you can expect them to be at that level. So if that 17 points becomes like nine, is that going to be enough for the Penguins to get into the playoffs? And if they get into the playoffs, are they just going to be fodder for Carolina? You know, I was talking with Jordan Stahl after the Carolina game in Pittsburgh before Christmas break, and you just got a sense that they know they can beat the Penguins, whereas you get a sense from the Penguins that they think they might be able to find a way to mm-hmm. win against Carolina. And mm. that's a bit jarring for me mm-hmm. because I'm yeah. used to the Penguins being that team that knows they can sort of turn it on at any point. And I think that's the thing this year that's missing, Sean. There's not that button, right? There's not that switch that they can flip. Is there a chance that Dumlin sits? Like, we? I know the 
cap situation is ugly, but Ty Smith gets called up a couple days ago, doesn't play. He's a left side guy. Like, how close do you think Mike Sullivan is to making a decision that probably, you know, he makes him sick? So when I was young, there was this show called Saved by the Bell. And it had <laughs> yes. oh, sure. actress. I've, I've, yeah, I've heard of this. That little yeah, old go. show. <laughs> and, it, and it had this, uh, this character, Kelly Kapowski, who was played by Tiffany Amber Thiessen. And I had yeah. such a crush on Tiffany yeah, Amber calm, Thiessen, right? Calm down over there, man. Right. And I wrote the producers when I was like in grade school. I wrote a letter because I wanted to meet <laughs> Tiffany Amber Thiessen, right? Oh, right. Now, 24. Now, oh, no. was, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was 32, but okay. But, um, uh, but my point is there was a chance that that letter would find her and she would respond and we would meet and form a connection, but it wasn't a real sure. chance. Okay. You know? so this and is where anything, we're going. Okay, anything okay, anything okay. is possible. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. not right. everything is likely. Yes. Um, I would put the chances of Mike Sullivan sitting Dumoulin below the chance of me meeting Tiffany Anderson <laughs> at that point. Maybe, so, is he, it, maybe okay, he wait. got returned to Sendered on that. Maybe she never got the letter. There's still like, a well, that's what I tell you. myself. Still that's what I tell myself. Yeah. But um, based off my <laughs> success record with letters, I don't, or emails or phone calls, I wouldn't, okay. wouldn't say. But that's another podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, you, we'll bring, up, right, you bring up a very, a very important point. Who are the top five, the top five Mike Sullivan guys? And we can't, not the stars, like, you don't count Sid, you don't count whatever. Like, yeah. who are, who's in that group where it's like, you just, you're like, it would, it made him, it would make him physically sick to move out of the lineup over the years. Cause he's got, he's uh, got those guys. Yeah. Like not yeah, on the Doom- active roster, like anyone that's been on the Penguins with Mike Sullivan. Anyone? Okay. Well, Dumoulin would be on the list. I would say Connor Sheary. Or Sherry, whichever we would say, uh, uh, definitely would be on that list. Um, we know, we know, Ryan Reeves is not on that list. Uh, definitely, he's definitely not on that list. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, boy, that's a really good question. Like the top five, Mike Sherry. Sherry is a great one. What? Why? Why you think of? Why you think of the next one? Well, one. I think it's because Sherry married his niece, so that didn't hurt, oh, right? Yeah, Thanksgiving, <laughs> Thanksgiving would be awkward. If... Yeah, but um, uh, I could never see him. I, I guess we think of him now as a star, but I still think of him as a guy who sort of played up in the lineup. But Brian Rust is definitely one of those. I, think. I was convinced that Brian Rust was going to be an Olympian. Just because of Mike Sullivan, <laughs> you were. So, you were. I yeah, wrote it. Yeah, I, yeah. There's, that's there's, right. there's that's a right. set of projections on the on the site. Sounds the, like me uh, with 2022 Olympic team with Brian Rust on it. Yeah, uh, I will say not in terms of dressing, but in terms of being on the roster. Chad Ruedel will always be on oh, this yes. roster. Oh yes, as long as Mike Sullivan is here, he's an honest um, player. So that gives me Rudy's, Rudy's yes, an honest that, player. He doesn't he doesn't cheat yeah. anything. That gives me four, and um, I should throw Phil Kessel on there just as like a gag. But um, uh, you know, Jeff Carter might be playing his way onto that oh list. Oh my god, uh, <laughs> uh, he's he's enamored with Jeff Carter. I often think that Mike speaks of Jeff the way I spoke of Tiffany Amber Thiessen. 
So, <laughs> so that's the perfect comparable then. Those are the they those are the anti-Uso Ricola All Stars. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I made I made the mistake of asking Mike about Uso Ricola one time during training camp. I thought it, it didn't it, it it went even worse than I expected it was going to. It's like asking oh. Daryl Sutter like about literally any prospect who has no shot at making the team. Yeah. It's like don't like what is the point? What are you doing? Just if Daryl Sutter's in a bad mood, ask about Trevor Lewis. Ask about Trevor Lewis, yeah. That I was my goal. I forgot the all-timer. I forgot the all-timer. I forgot. I'm sorry, kids. It's Matt Murray. I mean, it, right until the oh bitter end of Matt Murray playing like 880 yeah. hockey. Didn't like Sean Mike write Sullivan a column like, about like how Mike Sullivan needs to like be Mike Sullivan with Matt Murray? Uh, I think I, I think, so. I think I think probably. It was just like Mike yeah. Sullivan's always a guy who like isn't afraid to make those decisions. Like now do it. That was the last it, that wasn't <laughs> even the last one. That was the second to last year. That was that was in the bubble. Yeah. That was in the bubble when when It's like, come on, Mike Sullivan, do the Mike Sullivan thing. That was in the bubble when Sullivan's Sullivan's loyalty to Murray was really driving people crazy and probably came came back to bite him. All right. We need to talk about Sullivan's mustache. Have you guys Otterly. seen the mustache? <laughs> no, he but like I heard Boston about Crosby's mustache. <laughs> it's a cop. Yeah, it's a cop mustache in a way that in a way that in the way that Sid's wasn't absolutely wasn't like a big yeah. deal when Sid like finally shaved. I saw like tweets yes. about it. Like Sidney Crosby Sid, hath, hath shaved Sid, thy mustache. Sid looked eerily similar to '80s era Freddie Mercury with his mustache towards the end. Oh, there my. were lots of comparisons being drawn. Yes, have you? Have yes. you oh my. Did you ask him why? He, did you ask him why he shaved it? Can we break news here? I did That's not. You know, my theory on Sydney's facial hair is I don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah. It took him so long in his career to be able to grow facial hair. But I just figured now that he can, he can do whatever he wants. Do whatever you want, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. The only time I ever asked players about their facial hair in November was like when I was in Ottawa in my first year. And it was guys like Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris who are 21, like Thomas Shabbat. And like, there's nothing there. And then m meanwhile, Dylan DeMello, it's like November 2nd. And he's got this like huge cop mustache. Right. And like he gets the best mustache in November every year. And then Brady's still there with like, oh, I'm, I'm working my <laughs> every way over. Time, every time the facial discussion like or the playoff beard you know, discussion takes place or whatever. I think of Ruslan Fedotenko, who could not grow oh. one, and he and he swore, and I heard him do it <laughs> multiple times. He swore it was because he grew up like down the road from Chernobyl, and that, and that oh my the God. radiation stopped him from being able to grow a playoff beard. Yeah, so like, I saw don't make fun of the poor guy once because they were like he laughing at him. Reporter once doing it. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, because they wrote it. They wrote that he wouldn't talk about growing facial hair. And he came out of the locker room after the story you appeared. You don't know my life. And saw the reporter. And, he's, and basically that was it. Like, he just was screaming Chernobyl. Like, <laughs> like it just walked out of the plant. Like, Chernobyl! <laughs> my Drop God. So. Chernobyl! Yeah. <laughs> Curse that plant. Um, uh, you know, looking at this Penguins team and looking at how, like, they're, they're a tier below. I think the Eastern Conference contenders and the East is going to be a dogfight to come out of when you think of just like the top, top teams in the Eastern Conference. If whether you're looking at like Carolina, Boston, Tampa, you throw Toronto in the mix. I know some people don't want to do that, like Sean. Um, but like it's going to be tough to come out of the East. Yeah. There we go, buddy. You got, you got my back. Anyways, Thank you. Thank the, you, point is, the point is, I, I don't think that. a lot of Thank people you. are putting the Penguins in the conversation as a team that True. could realistically come out of the Eastern Conference. So how does that adjust 
the mindset coming into the trade deadline for a team that has Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin still playing really well. Like ideally you always want to be looking to add when you have guys like that who are playing the way that they are. But at the same time, wouldn't you also like to maybe hold some of your assets and hold some of the cards to chest for a year when you are in that conversation? Like I think the Penguins are going to be a really interesting case study at this deadline because then there's also the cap space situation to look at too. They only have, they have 2.7 million projected cap space at the deadline. So even if they were to do something, they can't do a whole lot. So is this a year where we maybe see the Penguins just kind of sit tight and hope and for the that, best? That number, that number is like right now counting um, LTIR. Counting LTIR, which I don't think yeah. is going to be in play for them because yeah. um, they expect him back before that. Yeah. But Yeah, so that's yeah, the ca- deadline I, cap projection on cap friendly as of right. like December 29th. So that's obviously right. going to change because cap space accrual and LTIR considerations yeah it's a great question because they don't really have any assets to move um Mm -hmm. unless they unless i mean they don't have any sort of guys in the system that other teams would be clamoring for and the cap space is such that it prevents them from doing anything that isn't the you won't trade our bad player for your bad player and hope it works Mm -hmm. um compounding that is this has been a management team with Brian Burke and Ron Hextall that's been kind of very slow to react. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they don't really seem to make moves until the absolute last minute. Uh, Carter and Raquel were both, you know, deadline day acquisitions. Um, and uh, that was back when the Penguins had more cap space to be able to uh, move. And they don't want to trade picks. So uh, I think where it puts that's the it. Penguins in, yeah. I think where it puts them, and this, this is a really good question to address, I think where it puts them is is they need to hope they can get in and get the favorable matchup and mm-hmm. that somebody else does some of the heavy lifting for them. Now, here's the thing. That does happen more often than we think in the NHL. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Other than last year in the Stanley Cup final, I would argue that we had had a run where we had like one team we expected to be in the final facing off against a team that we didn't. Mm-hmm. And I could see a situation where if, say, the Penguins were like in the West, that could happen. But in this East, I just don't see how it's gonna be tough. Th- th- yeah, how they ultimately like they might be able to win a round um, if they get, you know, somebody like like I'll give you a team that they could beat in a seven game series. It's the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's a That's a team they could beat if they're healthy in a seven game series. Um, uh, but if they draw one of those wild cards and would have to play yeah, Boston or Carolina, I'm not sure problem. they'd win a game. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, expecting them tough. to go to Boston at Fenway Park and have unspeakable things done to them. That's a, prof- that's a very professional segue into <laughs> this our This is a great way to move on to into our Winter Classic discussion. Now, I would like to rank the Pittsburgh Penguins Winter Classic jerseys. Okay. Rob, Rob doesn't give a shit about jerseys. <laughs> okay, well, he just said that he, he was care. game for it, so maybe he cares to talk to me about them. Mm-hmm. You two are fun. The penguin with the scarf is number one. The, the light the blue The skating one? penguin no, with scarf? She's, she's, no, she's talking about the dark blue ones that The darker got, blue one that, with the stripes. That almost, got, that almost got Sid killed. Yes, I apologize yeah, to Sidney was... Crosby, but that's the cutest penguin on the jersey. And then the baby blue jersey. I like the I Purdue, I like the the Purdue jerseys, <laughs> the ones they're wearing in Boston in a couple of the days. The ones they're wearing in Boston? Yeah, that <laughs> might be third. I would go, of all their outdoor jerseys, I would go 
The baby blues um, are pretty iconic, book. especially like the, yeah. the pictures from mm-hmm. Buffalo. Yeah, right? I would go the baby the blue little... also because that's one of Crosby's signature moments too, scoring that goal against Ryan Miller. So I would go that one. I have one but of those period, jerseys. You do? Yes. Okay. With Crosby on it? Yes, I have. Yes. Ah. <laughs> I have <laughs> two Sydney Crosby Winter Classic jerseys from my childhood. Because I am oh God. very youthful. It's not. It's and not I got childhood. the baby this blue is... one and I wore it to a game at Bellin Arena in 2009. Uh, that's nice. It's always nice to hear that. Well, I was like five or six years I, into the yeah. feed at that point. You were you were in you were school. attending game eating popcorn and stuff. Yeah. So uh, anyway, aesthetic standpoint, <laughs> I would go baby blues. Uh, then I would go the black ones they wore in Philadelphia. I thought those were really sharp. Uh, that's an outdoor game one, but doesn't count as winter classic. So can we count that one? Yeah. No. Um, uh, no. Yes. Yes. No, no. We can't count. Not, no. Okay. So just just the three winter classic ones. Yes. Uh, okay. I would go baby blues, the Purdue's, and then the dark blues. I have to knock the dark blues for this reason. They looked a lot better when they were in daylight, not at night when they wore them. Hmm. They kind of didn't look great in the setting. Uh, now, just love that the said, I'm colorblind, so maybe take everything I say with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, but why didn't you start they're... with that? I would have moved on. I no, was kidding. <laughs> yeah, I what love the, the orange jerseys. <laughs> What's the anyway? Sean is like a worst, hockey question. The worst ones? No, no, not really. The worst ones were the yellow ones they wore at Heinz Field. Those are those are ridiculous. Yeah, those were pretty bad. They're almost as bad as the current reverse retro jerseys. The Robo Penguin. <sighs> They've, they'd screwed no, up. No, no, no. I'm not knock, I'm not knocking the I'm not knocking the logo. Everyone thinks I'm knocking the logo. The oh, jersey I, I just know. looks hideous. It they screwed yeah. it up. They screwed it up. The shoulder yeah. yokes were pointier in the nineties. Uh the everything about it was and I the the whole time I was looking at like the first like the first view I had of them, I was like, something's not right here. And I'm all they all the look way different out, when you the see them on the full them. kit on the ice. Like the ones that I liked the best or maybe hated when we were they just stand. looking at the pictures changes anyways so well, you I'll expect you the winter classic to go poorly i do but let me give you one more piece <laughs> of a uh, scoop here on this yeah. jersey that they're oh, wearing yeah. for the winter classic so uh their backup goalie casey the smith has gone all in with like a specialized helmet specialized gear he's even got like the cream colored gear Tristan Jari's like having none of it. Like he's been emphatic. Like I'm going with the gear yeah. that I wear. Cause he knows he has so, to play. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. At least Casey DeSmith will look cool on the bench. Jarry. Yes. Where nobody will be able to see any of the cool things he's done yeah. with his pads or anything. But uh, yeah, com- Tristan Jari's having none of it. Or he has to come in and, and is trying to, you know, play a game in stiff pads against the Bruins and, you know. Do you remember who played in goal for the Penguins for the first Winter Classic game? Ty Conklin. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Who? Give me a give me a hard one next time, dude. (laughs) Thank you, Rob. Salvage salvage that game. (laughs) Yes, he did. That's it. We've kept you for a half hour. Thanks for being here, buddy. What's what what's the prediction for for Boston before we let you go? How's that weekend gonna? How's the next Uh, weekend gonna go for you personally? Let's. let's I kind of want to go. Should I get tickets? Nope. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're thinking a little late on this here. Uh, I'm going to drive to Boston um, tomorrow. I have a 6:30 a.m. flight on New Year's Day to get there in the rain, where we don't even know if they're going to be able to practice outdoors because it's mm. going to rain so much. So I'll be I'll be very cheery and uh, positive 
for so the uh, we got for the you on a good day, day before. <laughs> yes, um, and then the day of the classic, I'm sure I'll be ruining it. This will be my uh, sixth sixth outdoor game. Jesus Christ! Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Does it lose um, its sparkle? Yeah. Like, are you over this shit? Um, oh, like you see the thing that's like the penguins are announced to be in the winter classic and you're just like, ah, <laughs> yeah, oh. the only good thing about this one is it's not in Pittsburgh. So yeah. when it's the home team, you have to do a lot more. But, uh, um, this one will be interesting because wouldn't it be fitting if the Bruins first regulation home loss was outside, if that's what ended the streak? Yeah. So. They're gonna try to you know, try to get that's an not gonna count next to it. Or yeah, something. It's not gonna and, and, yeah. I'm kind of hoping that the Bruins don't lose in regulation at home all year except for this game. <laughs> Could they break the attendance record there. for that game? No. For you don't you think mean? it's no. gonna like for what no, not like the record, record record, but like the outdoor game um, in Dallas a couple oh. years ago. Oh my god! No way! Like I, that's what I'm close. saying. Like, what's gonna be the capacity at Fenway for this game? I think it's gonna be like 40, 40? 42, yeah, They said maybe. Probably. 40, oh, something like that. The one in, the one in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Never mind. Like, the one in Dallas was like 80,000 yeah. Dallas. Does. That was a stupid question. Danielle, cut this one out. Cotton Bowl game was <laughs> Cotton Bowl game was huge, and then the one in the one in Michigan Stadium was huge. Okay, never mind. Bye. And the one Thanks. next year, then one next year will be ginormous. <laughs> I don't even know. Where's that again? Like. Well, the rumor is it's going to be Seattle versus Vegas in Seattle at the home of the uh, 12th man. So. I'm, I'm down for that. That's 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 the rumor. That would be I one I the like new crack and I was going to say you should you <laughs> should get to go to that one because of the yeoman's duty. You and Lazarus should, and and Scott Powers should have to go should get to go to that one if if you want because you've had to watch watch the teams you cover playing fucking eight of these things over the last over the last Yeah, it's uh we we always say when the NHL needs a hit it's just like savage the markets of Boston, Chicago <laughs> or Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. That's what they do. So. Well, Winter Classic on January 2nd. Get psyched, everybody. Woo! Everyone's very excited. Enjoy watching it. Thanks, Rob. Hey, we'll have a live blog going, so be sure to check out the Athletic Live Oh, yeah, blog I'm live blogging it. Gross, yeah. me too. So am I. We'll, we'll all get to see each other again. Oh, digitally. great. I can't wait. Oh, you used to be one of my favorites. I'm not so sure after this podcast. I'm a lot crankier once you get to know me. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't get to know you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot nicer at arm's length. Bye, Rob. Bye bye. <laughs> All right. It's always nice to hear from Rob Rossi. Um, mm. There were a couple points in that conversation where I was like, you guys are talking about stuff that is very local, Pittsburgh. What are you going to do? Cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> this is Dormont and Greenfield getting together, folks. Yeah. So, what we want to do in this third segment. Sometimes we do a draft. Sometimes we just read comments. Sometimes we talk about something important. Other times, we don't know. We fly by the seat of our pants. Today, we actually have a plan. So this came up on Twitter over this week. Um, So this was from the Dropping the Gloves podcast with John Scott. And this caused a stir in the hockey world. So this uh, graphic, this tweet went up, and it was... From John Scott, Connor McDavid is the best player in the world, but if I'm building a playoff team right now, he is not in my top five picks. And this turned into a big thing of everyone saying, like, this is a terrible take, and other people looking at, okay, then who is going to be, if you're building a roster right now, who who are you taking? Um, so we are going to do that. 
We are going to build. The point of this, by the way, to win right now, to win a playoff series. We are, we are playing under John Scott rules. We are building a team that's designed to win a playoff series right now. Yes. I was getting to that. So we are going mm-hmm. to build rosters from scratch. <laughs> and the point is not to like start a team from scratch to contend for, for whatever. Like we're not picking. We did this at The Athletic before, right? We did the everything draft where we pick the city we live in and who's our GM and who's our owner. And then this is the organization. We are going five we're rounds, not, five players. We're, we're building to... the starting lineup for our playoff team for 2022-23. Yeah, um, three forwards, 2D, one goalie. A sustainable franchise. This isn't like, let's come yeah. out of this with... You know, a team that's set to contend for yeah. 15 years. This is like, that's I want right. to win a series that starts tomorrow. Yep. So that's our activity today. That's our draft. Mm-hmm. As always, Danielle is going to judge it. And we will see <laughs> if I can, you know, keep my shit together and not, you know, panic pick whatever candies I did last time we did this. And, you know, I will probably be fine as long as Sean doesn't start yelling at me. <laughs> just don't do anything that deserves to get yelled at, I think. is probably Which is what? Take my time to make an educated selection in the candy draft? No, it's to take your time to make a dog shit pick, which is what the problem was. You yelled at me enough that I forgot that the Kit Kat existed. All, all in the strategy. It's not you win. Sean yelled at me before we started recording, so I head. too am not going to select Connor McDavid for the first five rounds because yeah, right. you scared me yeah, so right. much. <laughs> So we did rock, paper, scissors before to see who gets the first overall pick. That is me. I won the rock, paper, scissors. I think before we start this, can we just like have the quick conversation? Like if either of us got the first overall pick, we're taking McDavid, right? You don't know that. Sean, I, but I'm asking you. Yeah, I would take Connor McDavid. Come on. Come on. Don't I think we're just like galaxy braining things to suggest like, I'm not no, galaxy, I'm not going to take. I'm not no, galaxy braining shit. I'm taking Connor McDavid. He dragged that team to, you know, a couple playoff series wins last season. That should that should have been the, you know, that should have been it. It wasn't for some people for whatever reason. Yes, and those are the people who are galaxy branding the conversation to say like, well, actually, I think I would like somebody who is maybe a bit better on the defensive end of the puck, like Nikita Kucherov. It's always like it's always like a <laughs> that's like a pet peeve of mine that I have. By the way, when people are like, do we underrate like blah blah blah? I'm like, ah, oh, we don't do anything. I no. I no. I'm, no. Leave leave me out of that narrative. I don't, I, yeah. don't, I have nothing to do with this. Yeah. So let's start round one. Pick number one. Haley Salvian selects Connor McDavid. Wow. Wow. He's good. Yeah. But are we sure he's good? <laughs> Are we sure he's Are good? Sure. Is he good defensively? That's the question that we I don't give a in. shit. That's why you draft <laughs> defensemen. Yeah, and that's why I am drafting a defenseman. I'm going Kale McCarr. Okay. Win a playoff series with a dude who won the con Smythe last season. Sounds good to me. Yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, I'm going Austin Matthews. Yeah, that's true. He, he does have a long history of playoff success. Shut up. Sidney Crosby. Okay. Still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Being in the league in five on five points last I checked. Mm-hmm. I'm adding the old man for one last run. Okay. Hmm. If we select these people, are they like healthy forever? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Or do they get hurt? <laughs> hmm Okay. Okay, so we're round three. We'll cut out these breaks. 
We? Danielle. I'm going to double them. <laughs> so this is where I was thinking, like, if I want to win right now, give me Adam Fox. He's pretty good. Norris Trophy winner right now, I think. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's going to last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I I can't say that. I have Kim McCart. Come on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my, next pe- my next pick is Patrice Bergeron. Okay. Again, old. Still very good. I can fill up the rest of my roster with, with some solid entry-level contracts. Okay. I'm loading up, though. Mm-hmm. I think this is, like, almost the point of where you guys were on, like, the the player tiers last year, and you started to, like, debate certain guys who were in that elite tier being, like, okay, where do they go? I have a strategy. Like, I, I know. I thought I did, can't, too, and then I panicked. Speak can't speak that for anybody. I have panicked. This is right around the time where you drafted uh, Pixie Sticks or whatever. This is, where, whatever this is right when I drafted like Popeye's candy cigarettes. This is where she goes to Phil Castle right now. <laughs> this is where I like, you know, go rogue and go like, Vasilevsky, Matt Murray. No, when you just, when you refuse to draft, when you, you were just, with the candy draft, you were just refusing. It was like, like minutes had passed. Just pick, pick something. Okay, but now I'm like, do I take three centers and just put them all on the same hey, line? This or do is I have something like three you should have thought centers? about before the draft began. <laughs> well, is this just a top line or is this our first five players? This is your first line. <clears throat> yeah, Can Matthews and McDavid up. play together? <laughs> Probably not. But guess what? They are. So pick someone else. No regrets, Haley. <laughs> I don't give a shit. These are two really good pl- I got three good players. Um, <laughs> everyone's a center. So pick someone who isn't. <laughs> um, oh no, that's the same. That's the same. Um, um, I'll go Kutrov. I'll get Kutrov. I'll get Kutrov. Even though I want Dreisaitl, but I'll go Kutrov. It's fine. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Tyson Berry, too, is your, is your next defenseman. <laughs> Brad Marchand. I win. No, you don't. I'll You're take... old. Don't care. The future is now, old man. How old is Kutrov? Is somebody going to have to play on their off wing? Who even knows? I don't care. They'll figure it out. They're good this enough. Is... Oh, my God. You realize that you're an American and you just pulled the Team Canada gold medal winning line, right? You're not allowed to do that. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. This is my team. Do you honestly think that Patrice Bergeron can play defense against McDavid, Matthews, and Kutrov, and Adam Fox? Yes. You fool. He's one man. No, he's not. (laughs) He's playing with Sidney Crosby and Brad Marchand. I don't make like your, this game anymore. Yeah, because you're because you're losing. That's why. I don't think make that your, it's true. Make your next pick. <laughs> you're just trying to fluster me into selecting Tyson Berry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Darnell Nurse. <laughs> I love the Oilers. I think they're good. That's the team I want. I want to build around for the. Playoffs, I have one please. Oilers player on here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> Who's good? <laughs> Who's, Who's good? good in the NHL right now? <gasps> Who's good? <laughs>
This is really hard. No, it's not. <laughs> I need a defenseman. Uh-huh. Jaw. <laughs> oh, my God. Was that a John Klingberg I just heard? Jo- no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. John Christensen. John John Johnston. <laughs> Johnny Johnston. Jack Johnson. Stop oh, no. making fun of me. How did you even have? Oh man, God, about Jack Eichel. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. <laughs> I've got a couple players I'm debating. This is breathtaking. <laughs> Um, you should see me try to pick what I want for dinner. Yeah, I have. It's worse somehow. (laughs) Okay, fine. I'll go Hampus Lindholm. Because that's what you were trying to do, wasn't it? No. You and your Bruins. Okay, fine. Maybe not Hampus Lindholm. No, that's sorry. That's on the board. No. I choose Igor Shesterkin. I don't care about that. I choose mm-hmm. Andre Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. And with the you last think pick. you did something there? No, I didn't. <laughs> I took. I got the goalie I wanted. This is the exact team that I wanted to build. With a fifth pick, I select Jacob Slavin. Pair him with Kale McCarr, who's a who's who's a right side guy. Slavin, left side guy. And I have yeah. I fucked a up. Group, didn't I? A group of old of old dudes who are still pretty good, who have a track record of winning important games. And I have the best goalie on the planet. I win. I John Scott that's vindicated. That's the point of this. But like the point, this I thought the point of this was to see like you almost are like going with the John Scott route of like you're going for guys who can play defense and stuff versus yeah. the best player on the board. What are I, Haley? So do I you got, agree with John Scott? I'm trying. I'm trying to win the draft, and you got and you got McDavid. Yeah, I do. I got the best defenseman on earth, the best goaltender on earth, the best defensive defenseman Igor on earth. Igor Shesterkin is not the best goaltender on earth right yes, now. Yes, he is. Right now, I'll, based on how he's playing with the Rangers, right now. In March, I'll take, in April, I'll take him. And I got Sidney Crosby, Patrice Bergeron, and a guy who has successfully played with both of them on my top line because I could not draft Connor McDavid. That's what my approach turned into. And it's fair, and like I, I think it is. It kind of proves both sides of the point, right? You can have I mean, McDavid yeah. build around him, but if not, you might have to get creative. Yeah, I mean, Hampus Lindholm and Jacob Slavin have similar expected goals against statistics, so I feel I quite comfortable that. putting him with Adam Fox. Yeah, Hampus Lindholm have... was average for three years before this. So, <laughs> is he going to be average with Adam Fox? Probably not. Exactly. Fucking, I fucked up on Jacob Slavin. Keep the F-bomb in there. I'm upset. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was like, oh my God, like I know there's something I should be doing here. Sean started yelling at me. That's your uh, Kit Kat pick. Shit. You guys heard it. I did the like, Failing that, failing that you could have drafted McKinnon and played him in goal. (laughs) That might have won over Danielle. Yeah. Dude, vote on this. We're gonna we're gonna put the teams together and send out like a screenshot of this, and people can yeah. tell us who yeah. won. 
We'll put a poll I together. I mean, Sean, Sean's going to win because his, like, people can actually, like, imagine what that, that those three forwards are going to look like in that deep air. That's right. I was not prepared. This was my idea. <laughs> this is right. It was your idea and you took, I, because I, I know that so much of this is, is going to get cut out that people aren't going to appreciate how long she took in between each of her picks. <laughs> Probably six or seven times the amount of the the amount of time it it's going to take my guys. That's okay. You got McDavid, so I'm going to have a chance. The goalie stuff's a wash. I'm 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 with you on Vasilevsky versus Shesterkin. Yeah, should sim these sim these games and see who wins and send them to Dom. I bet I have the best game score. If only hockey were played in spreadsheets. <laughs> okay, so who wins? So you pick Sean. Just put me out of my misery. I did because yeah, I said uh, you would have won if you picked just just picked all centers. Centers are versatile; they can kick out to the wing. Austin Matthews shoots left. Kucherov shoots right. You got Matthews, McDavid, Kucherov top line. Screw you, Crosby can't spent, touch like, that. <laughs> I just spent. <laughs> hey Bergeron, you're old. <laughs> I just spent like forty eight out. People people are gonna hate on my team because it's old as shit. But whatever. Yeah. The future is now, old man. That was my yeah, only like luck. once I once I lost once I lost the draft. But but that, <laughs> but that is true. Like that's the that is the you know the process. If you it's Mick, if you get McDavid, great. If you don't, you have to come up with a plan. And, and yeah. once I realized that I that I wasn't going to be able to pick him, I had to come up with a plan. And, and Kucherov like, shoots up, left. Excuse me, before anyone screams at me. But he is a right winger, so don't yes. yell at me. I know. Okay. I think this would be fun. We'll go to Twitter because I don't believe Danielle. I can't believe she did this to me again. <laughs> I'm sorry, Haley, for nothing. Yeah. I apologize for, for nothing. nothing. Yeah. Good day, Whatever. sir. Well, that's it for today. I feel like that didn't really prove a point because Sean won and he didn't pick McDavid. Yeah. So said, John Scott vindicated, baby. Yeah, congratulations to John Scott. He's bunch actually guys, a genius. <laughs> bunch of guys, bunch of guys born in the mid '80s. Let's go. Yeah, I think it's a fun exercise. That'd be a better one with like more people involved. Like, how many rounds do we need to go in for the teams to really start looking a little bit rough? Because we left so many guys on the board. Nobody picked, and that's where you annoyed me a bit. Because like you didn't take McKinnon. Like I, I thought so that this is where things got messed up for me because I didn't think like Dry Sidle would be available. I thought that we were gonna go like Matthews, McKinnon, McDavid, Dry guys in the forward group, and you went rogue. I zigged when you thought I was gonna zag. Right. Say. But do you think you should have taken Nathan McKinnon to play with Sidney Crosby and yeah. Brad Marchand? Possibly. The Halifax line. I don't know if I like that. You already went. <laughs> Full Canadiana. I know. May as well have gone on Nova Scotia. Next week, we'll redraft the John Scott draft. <laughs> Did they actually have a draft? No, no, I was joking about doing this, redrafting this draft. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, we'll try again. This is actually yeah. our new shtick, as we're going to see. It's an elimination. The same 12 players. No, we just, we just, these 12 players are scratched off, and we have to go again without them. Or Sean gets the first overall pick, and then, and then we see how things go. So like Sean gets just McDavid, draft. and then see what the hell I do. We just, I was we expecting just McDavid McCarr one two, and then you went. I figured you'd go Crosby, but 
whatever. I, I thought I, I I was I just figured I would go all like it, it's just you just gotta have a theme. That's all. Yeah. Well, good luck making it all the way to the cup final with all your old men. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. Just kidding. I, with a bunch please, of, nobody uh, yell at me. I was just joking. Um, I really enjoy all of those players and find them very valuable, including Sidney Crosby. Please don't yell at me. I'm just mad at Sean. <laughs> I'm going to bring this up to Patrice Bergeron next time we speak. Just don't tell Sidney Crosby. <laughs> no promises. That's the end of the show. We will see you next year. Ah. <laughs> uh. That's the first person I've heard say that. Pause for laughter. If you're not an athletic subscriber, just a reminder that you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show to get an annual subscription for $2 a month for 12 months. You can also now subscribe to the Athletic Hockey Show's YouTube channel. You can subscribe at youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show. There is an at sign in there. It's all one word, obviously, because it's a link. Uh, Max Boltman and Corey Promen have the prospect series. You can look for that later on on Friday. Probably lots of talk about the World Junior Championship. The Athletic Hockey Show returns Tuesday with um, uh, Sean Gentili and Craig Custance. It's the Tuesday Boys 3Zs. Hashtag 3Zs. Hashtag 3Zs. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye.